For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 285. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership, episode 285. We've got a great guest today, David A.R. White an actor, producer, founder of a brand new product called Pure Flix. And uh, it's a great conversation. He's um, probably one of the most visible actors and producers in the Christian entertainment industry. And he starred in close to 20 feature-length films and produced and starred um, in God's Not Dead, which I've seen. It's the number one independent film of 2014. And... Uh, also, what came out earlier this year, God's Not Dead 2. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Before we talk about David R. A.R. White, I want to mention that I am starting a new mastermind, bringing it back up, uh, the Legacy Leader Blueprint. And I'm doing something a little different here. It's 20 impactful self-paced videos broken up into four modules, Leadership Fundamentals, Leading Yourself, Leading Others, and Transformational Leadership Concepts. Those are the four modules. So you get access to those 20 videos that I've created. But in addition to that, from the mastermind perspective, you'll get four online live coaching sessions, group coaching sessions with you and up to 10 other individuals, like-minded individuals like yourself, trying to up their leadership game. And we'll talk about each one of those modules individually. So 20 videos, four online group coaching sessions, and in addition, a bonus, you'll get a one and a half hour one-on-one live coaching session with me that'll give you additional clarity and focus on your leadership journey. All of that for 249 bucks. It's quite a deal, and I'm looking to fill 10 more seats here uh, for the next online live session for my, my next group. My next group of 10 is going to be in a January 7th. So if you're listening to this in the month of December, um, those seats fill quickly, 249 bucks, 10 seats. You can learn more of going to doseofleadership.com. Go to the menu side and click on Legacy Leader Blueprint. And up in the menu item and also on the sidebar, I'll have a little uh, logo there for Legacy Leader Blueprint. And you can learn more. And you can also contact me directly at richard at doseofleadership.com if you've got any questions. But again, 20 videos, four group uh, coaching sessions with 10 other individuals and one-on-one group coaching session with me, all for 249 bucks. I hope to see you on the inside. David A.R. White, again, I told you he is the most visible actor and producer in the Christian entertainment industry. And I came across him first when he uh, I saw God's Not Dead. And it is the number one independent faith film of 2014. And then God's Not Dead 2 came out in April, uh, earlier this year, 2016. And... Uh, 
he's a Kansas boy like myself. He was raised in a small Mennonite, Mennonite farming town just outside of Dodge City, Kansas, which is a couple hours from Wichita where I live. And at 19, he moved away to Los Angeles to begin what would quickly become a successful career as an actor, a writer, a director, and a producer. So what does that have to do with Dose of Leadership? Well, I got to tell you that it's a great story about listening to that inner calling, that inner voice, um, listening to that, knowing what's the difference between what's a calling and what's your ego talking. Uh, we hit all of these topics here on Dose of Leadership. And again, as a leader, I think it's important that you listen to that calling. And I think it's important, too, that you have a spiritual element to your leadership journey. I think you cannot successfully have a leadership journey if you don't put a spiritual element aspect to it. And David's a perfect example of that. And uh, so we hit on all those points about listening to that calling. How do you know it's your ego talking? And how do you know it's, it's not you know your spirit, your true calling, what you're supposed to be doing? All of that is touched on in this conversation. And I really think you're going to enjoy it. David is a, a great leader in his own right, great husband, a great father, and a great entrepreneur as well. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's David A.R. White on Dose of Leadership. Well, David, so honored to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, fellow Kansan, I think we were just talking before the recording. You know, you lived in Dodge City for a while. I mean, I was born and raised in Wichita and lived just outside of it. So uh, when was the last time you've been to Kansas? I was there um, actually the last last couple of years. I, I think I've been there about five times um, speaking. So uh, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed going back and, and hitting Wichita and Salina, Salina, um, Dodge, all kinds of different places around there, Kansas City. So it's been great. Yeah, you know, it's few and far between. You meet somebody from Kansas who's made it out to Hollywood and um, and uh, laid their roots down there. So how did that start for you? I mean, take me back to. Uh, you know, just a quick synopsis of your childhood and what brought you out to Hollywood. Well, I always had a, I, you know, I, I, I grew up as a Mennonite. Um, my father was a Mennonite pastor in a small Mennonite community out, um, outside of Dodge in Mead, Kansas, actually. Right. And um, I grew up really conservative. I mean, I, I saw one movie in the theater the first 18 years of my life. And so. And that was Greece, but, wasn't it? Wasn't it Greece I read in your book? It was Greece. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, it wasn't my parents didn't want me to go to that. It just happened. I was over at a friend's house and the friend's parents took me to this movie. And, and, uh, as soon as I saw Olivia Newton, John and her black tights, I thought for sure I am <laughs> on my way to hell. Going to hell, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, but you know what, I, I, I was, uh, I worked on a wheat farm and, and, um, I just remember times on a tractor and a combine sitting there, uh, you know, just with nothing but wheat just surrounding me in every which way. And I couldn't let go of this little thing that was inside of my heart, this dream to go into the entertainment industry. And it didn't make any sense of where, you know, where it came from or why I had it, but I, I couldn't shake it. And so, um, I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois, right after I graduated high school where my entire family had gone, graduating and met their significant others. And, um, but after a year of that, I, I really, I, I, again, I still couldn't shake this dream. And so, so I acted on it. I called my parents and I said, parents, I want to leave Bible school and I want to go to Hollywood to be an actor. And, and the, uh, and the reaction, the reaction was what? It was pretty dead. Uh, there was like, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there, there was a long hesitation on the phone. Um, 
but eventually my dad said, you know, uh, as long as you, and, and remember he was a pastor and he, you know, and he kind of had the call of God on his life from, an, um, he didn't get saved till he was, he became a Christian until he was in his thirties. And so, um, he just said, as long as you seek God first in your life, then we support you. And it was a big thing for them. They didn't understand it. They didn't, you know, the only time I had ever other told my dad that I wanted to go into the entertainment industry, I was 14. And he said, well, David, you don't know how to sing and you don't know how to dance. So you can't be an actor. Right. And, uh, you know, so, so, uh, you know, four years later to, to, to make that call again and, and bring it back up. Um, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with their answer. And so I moved up, I moved to Los Angeles. I was 19 and jumped right in. That's, you know, that's pretty impressive that you know, I guess, you know, here's a man of faith that's really, he was acting on, probably, he was probably digging deep on his faith and said, well, you know, he's, he's kind of doing what he talks about, right? I mean, and, yeah. that, and that probably gave you, I'm curious, did that give you the push? Because if I heard that, that would probably, that's probably like the, the jump master pushing you out the door, right? I mean, otherwise you might not have taken the leap. If there wouldn't, would have been resistance, you think you would have been more hesitant to take the leap? Uh, absolutely. I, I think for, because it was a big deal for me to leave, you know, yeah, obviously sure. my, my brother and my sister and my mom and my dad all went there and all graduated and then they all got married and met their significant others there. And so it was a big deal for me to actually, to try to leave Bible school after one year, you know, and then to go to Hollywood, you know, Hollywood's not necessarily known for the place of, you know, roses and, you know, the place that right. parents want all their kids to, to, to run off to when they're so young. Right. And, uh, but yeah, it, it was a big deal for me. Um, and it's interesting cause in this book that, you know, that, that, uh, that I've written, I talk about how I think I I'm a firm believer that things are ordained and align up in our lives to push us in the directions that we're supposed to go. And, and ultimately I believe God is the person that does that. And, uh, and here I was, my parents actually were leaving the, I didn't know this, but at the, at the, the church had kind of kicked them out. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of rumors going around um, that my dad had, had been involved in this stuff. And, and really, my parents were, um, I can't say enough about them because they were not at all like, you know, I know there's there's many people that actually do get involved in a lot of things that they should, you know, probably go. But that wasn't my parents. It was just these rumors that had ended up driving them out of that church like six months later. And so in in retrospect, going back to Kansas would not have been a good option for me. And I yeah. feel like that, that and I don't even know, I don't think my, my dad knew that that was even coming at that time um, because they were, you know, they were still in, they were still in Kansas and, mm-hmm. and they thought, you know, my dad had built a radio station, the first Christian radio station in the, uh, or had started that building process of Southeast Kansas. Um, and uh, and had a jail ministry and had a lot of amazing things that were going on there and so it was a shock to all of us when they you know when they when they decided to leave. Um, That's interesting. At the time that you were um, having this calling or these feelings or these nudgings, did you at the time think they were um, dreams placed on on your heart by God, or did you just or was it a, in your mind a quest for? recognition, fame, what was it? Did you recognize it was a, a, a God-inspired dream? Well, you know, I, 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 you hear a lot of people that, that can always say, well, God told me to do this or God told me to do that. And, and for me, it's, I, my relationship with God has never been like that. 
I've never felt or I've never heard an audible voice, right. which would be which would be great if, if I could say, oh, yeah, well, God just tells me things out loud and, and then I go do them. And, and some, you know, many people say that. But to me, so this was a very it was a very controversial thing in my heart, in my own heart about was I was I walking away from what I really believed to go do something selfishly or was I really supposed to do it? And, and I got to say that that as much as I. I'd love to say, well, I heard the call of God to go do it. I think it was it was it was something that I was aware of that I was still struggling with as to whether or not it was I was supposed to do it. But but I also believe that I couldn't shake this dream. So I was meant to be doing it in a way, you know, and that's a tricky. Yeah, and that's why you know that's why I even wrote this book about how do you know if a dream that's exactly. inside of you is from God and you're supposed to follow it <laughs> because well, that- because I wish yet as a kid that I had had you know, some guidelines along the way. Well, because that that's really what I was getting at, because that's probably one of the biggest things that I know I've struggled with, is how do I know that what I'm feeling is a dream put on by a higher power, which I strongly believe in like you. I think that, you know, that you, that dreams are put onto us by God, the universe, the higher power, and it's almost our obligation to see it through. And if you don't, I, you kind of shame the angel. That's how I look at it, right? And But at the same time, there's this conflict when I say, I know I want to pursue this, but sometimes it seems so fantastical, so big, so I don't know how, you know, that, that's crazy talk. There's always that battle, that inner voice going, that's crazy, you don't belong in that space, you don't what that's, you know what I mean? And I almost get to the point now where the stronger that resistance is, the more that I probably should be listening is probably what I should be doing because I think the resistance is going to try to prevent you from doing that. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I, and I, um, you know, I go back to, right. And there's, there's different steps, you know, along the way that we talk about, about how can you, how can you actually know? Um, and, and at the end of them, I, I think, is it bigger than you? A lot of times, you know, our dreams are bigger than us. Are they, you know, is it a bigger dream than you? Because if you can, I kind of believe that if you could accomplish something on your own and that it's, you know, that it's not really, I think, I think all of us were called for bigger dreams that we're, we're all called to go out and above and beyond ourselves. I agree. And so is that thing bigger than you? And it's, you know, another one we, we, we refer to is, is you can't let the, you can't let it go. A God-given dream, I say, is a bothersome thing. It keeps bobbing its head at the surface of your heart, clamoring for your mind's attention. You cannot let the thing go. And so matter – and that's obviously – that was very much my story. And, and you know, even though I uh, – it made no sense. Obviously, I, I was not in the entertainment industry or, or didn't know any actors or didn't – you know, had hardly seen much media, television or movies at that time. It's certainly not like it is today where you have, you know, your iPhones and your, your laptops and everything else. Um, but I couldn't shake it and it was bigger than me. And that was part of the reason that, you know, that I felt the motivation to, to go there. So when you get out there, when you get out to Hollywood, you don't have really any concrete plan. You're really kind of going on faith, really. And I'm sure you were hit with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. You even talk about your book, how you sometimes you didn't even know where your, your next paycheck was going to come from. So when you're in that moment, are you still believing that you're a calling or is it like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? You know, how do you sustain yourself in those kind of um, dark night of the soul moments? Well, the, the irony is that um, what I found to be true, and, and I think this is also 
when when one chases that dream that's inside you is that it's not always going to be easy. Now, I was fortunate. Six months in, I ended up on a hit television show called Evening Shade with yeah, Burr Reynolds. Right. And I was on their show. You know, I was recurring on that show for almost four years. And then I did a bunch of other. I jumped in and all of a sudden, you know, I started things started happening with different movies and television shows and commercials. And so, you know, it's easy to say, well, that guy had it easy. But in the midst of all of that is, you know, once I obviously got into that thing, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is actually what I really love to do. I strive to do this. I love to do it. Um you know, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever done before. And so I kind of felt at home. So right off, it was like, wow, I actually, this is, I think what, you know, part of me was made for. Um, now four years later, I got five. <laughs> All of a sudden in my late twenties, I went through uh, I went through a period where it was the hardest time of being in the industry. All of a sudden, everything that I had had, all these people that I was surrounded by, you know, Tobey Maguire, Leo DiCaprio, two-time Academy Award winner, Hilary Swank, you know, they were all my peers at that time. And then all of a sudden, their careers just started to skyrocket, you know, exponentially. And mine took a, took a side turn and then almost a decline. And... You know, the the bigger question is, well, how do I, what do I do with that? How do you right. deal with that? Right. And so well, how did you deal with it? I mean, did you look at that as, well, let, let me back up. When you were having this kind of modicum of success and you feel like you're at home, this is the place to be, were you um, strong in your faith? Were you following it? Were you adhering it? I mean, where were you in your faith walk? Yeah, the irony is that I, I was actually really strong in my faith. Yeah, it, everything had gone. I mean, again, I you know when I moved to when I moved to Los Angeles, I want to I want to make sure that I don't paint a picture of that everything was I just you know sure. rode in right to, to Hollywood on my horse and yeah. got off at the studio. Um, I I actually was I had met an individual and he said, yeah, you can come share a place with me. And so for the first six months, I lived in a single apartment on Venice Beach. Um, where I put my bed, my little single twin bed in the kitchen and I had about, about four inches between me and the refrigerator. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's where I lived on on Venice beach, you know, a kid from Kansas. I don't know if you've ever been to to muscle beach. Yeah, I have. Yeah. But you know, the types there are just out of their minds. Crazy. Uh, They're crazy. It is one of the most crazy places to be in Los Angeles. And, um, and so there I was living there, you know, and I, and and so, and getting all kinds of different, doing whatever gigs and jobs I could do to do that. So, but I loved the, I, I had a really strong faith and, and, uh, in God and what he had, you know, what he had put me on the planet to do, not necessarily be an actor, but just in a, in a broader spectrum purpose. And, and I always, you know, I was, I was very close with the, with God on, the, on, um, during all those years. And so it wasn't actually until that everything stopped. And I started this free fall um, that I started listening to the other voices in Hollywood about the money, sex, drugs, fame, all of these things that, you know, that uh, um, that came up and and, 
you know, because then you start to, well, wow, am I believing what I'm believing because, because it's been, you know, ingrained in me since I was a kid, um, is, is maybe I, you know, maybe I just was on, it's easy to, it's easy to believe something when you're, when everything's great. It's hard to believe it when you're, you know, when the trials come. Well, it's interesting because I was, I was wondering how strong was that pull because, you know, much has been talked about and written about how difficult it is to be um, a conservative, let alone a Christian in, in that Hollywood setting. I mean, if you're vocal about your conservative beliefs about your Christianity, it seemed like historically it's been tough to get gigs. And so how, how did you, you know, navigate through that without sacrificing your, your, um, your principles? Yeah. Well, I think it's because I, I, I looked young and so I was playing all, no, no, I, I'm not going to say that because I, I did have to turn down a bunch of stuff um, that I, that didn't line up with what I wanted. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. I don't know. I don't look back on those times as being really difficult and trying to serve the Lord. Uh, like it, it's interesting. It wasn't until afterwards that it really became harder for me, um, just because of you know, it's like the bottom had dropped out in my life, and all of a sudden I was doing, you know, I was back to doing these odd end jobs, and I think it's a harder, this is why I feel really bad sometimes for kid actors who, who become stars, and then all of a sudden, you know, when, when, when the rug is pulled out from underneath them, you know, that's, I think a lot of times of why, why they're into, you know, they turn to the alcohol and drugs and all these things is because they're just reeling. They can't figure it. You know, you go from being somebody to being nobody to where no one cares about you. And so that's a tough situation. I think even it's even harder is when you're a kid growing up in that way. Fortunately for me, I think that, you know, I had, I had grown up in a really strong foundation. Yeah, you had a strong base. Yeah, for sure. And even though, and even though I obviously I went through my times of working out, you know, Paul talks about in the Bible, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I think I had to work it out. Um, but, but this is, an, you know, another thing we talk about in this book, um, uh, the Between Heaven and Hollywood, is that it's oftentimes when you find yourself doing the things you really don't want to do are the times that you actually think most about what you do want to do. Yeah. And you start to focus on what it, what it is that you really want to do and what's really inside of your heart. And when things are great and when things are, you know, it's easy to go sailing through life when, you know, when your, your kids are healthy, your, you know, your spouse is healthy, your job is secure and all of this stuff. But when, when some of that starts to crumble, I think are, are oftentimes the biggest soul searching times that we go, you know, and even when it comes to your dreams that you start to, to really think about, is this what I even want to be doing yeah. and what is it that I, what I, that, that I desire in the midst of all of this. And for me, what I found is, is that I actually, I had, even as a kid, I had always, I loved the idea of producing. I loved the idea of being just, uh, not just being an actor, but also controlling script ideas and story and people. I, I was blessed with an, uh, you know, an ability to unite people in a, in different ways. Um, and I'd learned those lessons from my parents, I think in the church and specifically my father, um, was really good at that. And, and so, you know, in, in when you, when you produce, that's what you have to do. You know, you have to bring a whole lot of different groups of people together from, from the, you know, financial side money, uh, raising money to, you know, to selling a dream, to selling why you're making something to then, you know, all the people that come together that have to actually then produce something and then make it. 
and then on your way to, you know, to, to distribute it and to actually put that thing out. And so for me, that was my time of, I mean, it was a, it was a rough time. A couple of times I started out, you know, I, my first thing that I ever produced was an auto fraud commercial. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was a, you know, and, uh, and we put it on the air and we, you know, we did the whole thing. It was the first thing I'd ever done. I invested all my money into that and it failed. Um, but, it, but through it, I started to learn that process and then went on to doing, you know, uh, when I was 29, I did my first, I produced my first movie for $87,000. I, you know, it was our own money and then it was me and three other buddies and, uh, and it went on and it went all over the world and it made, you know, it did very well. I think, I think it grossed probably 2.5 million or something like that, but we self distributed it at the time. And so it was very profitable to us, um, which then led us to our next movie. And, and, and we started producing these films, um, uh, you know, that, that old adage of do what you know. Well, what I knew is I knew the entertainment, I, I knew the Christian film industry. Right. I had, I'd already been an actor in, you know, um, in several of them. And so it just, I started just ingraining myself and learning about this and then realizing, I think there's a marketplace here that's been completely underserved and, and no one has ever, you know, nobody even came, like Hollywood doesn't even, yeah, they you know, know it's a genre. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, so in 2005, we started a company called Pure Flix, me and me and two buddies. And um, and that was at the point we had already taken these movies to distribution and they hadn't done, you know, uh, different studios had one studio had gone out of business. Another studio had, you know, had didn't pay us quite right. And and so in the midst of that, we realized, wow, we needed to we needed to provide an outlet to actually be able to do these type of movies and then have them be released. And so. That was our next step. That was the dream that was bigger than us. To how, how in the world do you start a distribution company? I, I, I just there's so many things that I just love what you're t- talking about. You know this story, and it's things that we've we've hit on this show time and time again. But it's you know, going back to that point of you know that difficult time and what you you were alluding to, and what I heard you saying was that that in that mud moment, those in the mud moments, the back up against the wall moments, those are actually blessings because they they force you. Um, they mold your character, number one, but it forces you to really examine yourself in a way that you probably couldn't do if you were kind of bathed in comfort. And and so I love how you articulate that. It's that's really, you know, you got to look at those moments where things seem lost. Um, in the moment, it's kind of difficult, but kind of remind yourself, hey, this is actually a blessing, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I have a quote. Uh, it's not a quote. It's just you know. We just wrote it in the book, I guess. Yeah. So it's a it's a quote for myself. Um, I love this though. For every hardship you endure, for every failure you with, you're able to withstand, could very well be the stepping stone of your success and the realization of your God given dream. So don't hate the weight. Don't get down on yourself because you know because you failed at something. Because if you're able to get past those hardships and keep going. Um, then, you know, then you're close to being, I think that, and then you're on your way to success. I agree. And I think you, it, having that belief that the universe does have your back, that God does have your back, that God does want to see you succeed. Right. I mean, I think for so long, I think, um, part of my transformation anyway, was believing that, oh, well, I, I I'm not up to snuff. Therefore this is these, why things aren't going the way I want to is because I haven't been good enough. And then you get to the point where you realize that you are accepted. You are fully and unconditionally loved. 
you're accepted for who you are, even are at the moment, right? And that God is more interested in who you're going to become. And I, yeah. th- and I think if you can a- a- embrace that, as hard as it may seem in that dark night of the soul moment, that dark night of the soul moment is actually a blessing. And then, and then if you can hear that and know that God has your back and wants to see you succeed, then that, to me, is the hope or the juice or the energy that keeps you going forward. I, I, that's, that's how I look at it. Well, that, yeah, exactly. I love that. You know, for every, it's, it's, um, it's, there's no one too common, too broken, too sinful, too uneducated, too poor that he cannot be used by God to achieve his dreams. Is that why, I mean, is that why so many of us don't go for it is because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel that unconditional love. I mean, why is it? Why, why is the world bereft with people not, you know, passionately pursuing their callings? I think ultimately it, it boils down to fear. Um, we place all this fear on ourselves. We this self doubt that we're not able, we're not good enough to achieve something. Um, you know, I, we talk about uh, someday I'll be able to do that, or someday I'll do that. And if you look in your calendar, of course, you know someday doesn't exist. It's called you know, <laughs> I call it the someday myth. It's yeah, not right. real. Right. You have to do it. You have to do it today. You have to start you know, right where you're at, take those first steps, and then you'll be amazed to see what will come out of it. And and the other side of it, too, is, and I think this is, I don't know if this is prevalent in every, in every, um, you know, career, but it's certainly prevalent in the entertainment industry is that, that if, it, you know, we put these, so many actors, so many producers, so many, so many um, friends of mine, we put these false expectations on ourselves. That if we don't achieve this thing at such and such a time or by this year, you know, then we're losers or then we're failures. And um, and it's the opposite because it's it's you never know. You yes, I, I'm a firm believer. Like Jim Carrey wrote himself a check for twenty million dollars. Yeah, right. He said, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he dated it two thousand one or whatever it was, and uh, and it came to fruition. A, because I think he he believe he you know he believed that in his heart to be true, and he kept chasing that, and he kept you know becoming excellent at what it is that he did, and it happened. But even let's just say that that doesn't happen. That you wrote that check to yourself, and it doesn't occur on that time. Instead of all of a sudden then just throwing in the towel and giving up. You know, it's 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 in the words of Leslie Nielsen. I'm I'm he was the first day in Los Angeles. I ran into Leslie Nielsen, if you know him from <laughs> yeah, naked for sure. yeah. movies, yeah. uh, in a bank. And I said, Leslie, what is the secret of your success? And he said, Perseverance, kid, perseverance, never give up. Yeah. And you look at Leslie's career, if you you know, if you know anything about his career, yeah. is that he he was not really famous until he was, you know, until he hit that. I mean, he was he was known. Yeah, he was just but, kind of this B this B movie actor in the fifties and the sixties, you know, in some of these weird science fiction movies, and he just, you know, wasn't really a leading man in a big thing. And you're right, he hit it big when he was in his sixties. Sixties, yes. And so, so I think that comes back to that. If that, you know, if your check isn't cashed by, you know, so and so time, whatever, the last thing in the world you should do is throw in the towel. The other thing is maybe just look for, you know, um, some different avenues to get there. And I think for for me anyway, you know, I knew in my heart that I wanted to be an actor from an early age, but the, also the producing things and then even having a distribution company was other dreams that I had. I didn't just have one dream. I had these other dreams. 
And by actually then achieving these other dreams, you know, PureFlix has gone on, um, you know, we, so we started out in 2005 and seven and eight, we basically, well, we all went without a salary for almost two years because we had, you know, we hadn't succeeded. Um, it was during 07 and 08, you know, during, you know, those mess of the years on every level. And, um, but what we did is we continued on and then we continued on with our path, even though our path, you know, I think this is the other side is that you can always look to the left. You can look to the right about other people doing way cooler, better, bigger things than you. And even as a distributor, we were distributing, you know, movies, primarily DVD and TV, and they weren't going theatrical. And we could look to these other Christian filmmakers that were, you know, like the Kendrick brothers who were doing the Facing Giants, Courageous, Fireproof, right. you know, and they were making right. 30, 35 million dollars in the box office. And, you, and, and it's easy to go, well, wow, we should be doing that. But we stayed on this path that we felt like we were supposed to be on. The whole purpose behind PureFlix was always to make content that uplifted and inspired the human spirit as an alternative to what Hollywood is, does, right. but on a consistent basis. And so because we followed that path of that consistent basis, we were able to, you know, when we did get around to, to, to going, okay, I think it's time for our theatrical is, you know, God's Not Dead came out. Right. And broke all records, became the number one independent movie of 2014. In fact, it is the, it is the sixth most profitable movie based on its ROI, return on investment, in cinema history. That's great. And you know what number five is? What? Greece. Really? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> How about that irony? <laughs> yeah. But, but it goes back to this whole thing that that is. So we did that, right? And then and and it, it came to fruition tw uh, eleven. Uh, I think well, two thousand twelve. So what is that? It was seven. Yeah, seven or eight years after we had started. It took us that long before we had that huge breakthrough which then put us on the map and then everybody wanted to talk to us and all that stuff. But then if you look back on that whole original concept of making this content on a consistent basis allowed us actually then to not just be producers of something, but to be distributors. And now we're the number one faith and um, faith family production and distribution studio in the world. Because we did that. Yeah. And I love, you know, going back to that example of, of Jim Carrey writing himself that check, I think in, in, in it's highlighted in your example you just gave here, it's, oh, it's so tempting to, like you said, if he didn't reach that, you know, he met his goal, he exceeded it by his date. And to, to his point, though, if he hadn't have, he would have been well served just like you are in your example. I mean, you still got to do the work, right? He wrote that check, and now you just can't go sit on the couch and order pizza. You got to do some action, right, towards that. And I would, I would like to believe that if he hadn't hit that goal that he that you that he put on the check there, he still would have had a nice body of work or a lot of progress. He could have said to himself, "My gosh, look how far I've come," right? And I think that's what you kind of did in your example. It's like, look, well, okay. It's easy to get distracted, but we know what we're trying to do, and and you just kind of stayed the course and. And a theme that comes up consistently on this show is one, the perseverance one. That's always a number one. You never give up, like Leslie Nielsen told you. But the other one was you never know where it's going to lead you. I can't tell you how many times people on this show and people that I've talked to, entrepreneurs and CEOs and entertainers and successful people that we, we would put in success buckets have said, I never had knew I would be where I'm at right now. But gosh dang it, I love it. And they love it because they they went through that door anyway, right? Or they did the work anyway. 
And it may not have manifested exactly how they wrote it in their, their visioning board. In fact, it was usually bigger than what they had written on their visioning board or on their goals, right? Does that make sense? I know I said a lot there, but th those no, are just some of the takeaways. That absolutely. Yeah. And it's beautiful because, and I think that, it, you know, just to, an encouragement to whoever is listening to this is that, is that to keep the faith and keep believing in yourself and believing in, in, you know, what God will do with your life and keep moving forward and don't ever stop in the words of the great Leslie Nielsen. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't ever give up. Yeah. Perseverance kid. I love it. I love God is not dead and God is not dead too. And I mean, it, it was, it's a perfect example. And we, when I remember when courageous and fireproof was all coming out, I remember saying to myself, just as an observer, thinking, guys, this is an untapped market. But the thing that always bugged me about even like Courageous and Fireproof, you know, good movies in the sense, it still seemed to lack um, a bit of, uh, and I hate to say this because they're good and I don't want to take away from it. So, so don't, don't misunderstand me when I'm saying this, but it lacked a certain set of authenticity that I think God isn't dead captured, if I can say so. Does that make well, sense? Um yeah, and and I think the interesting thing is is that I think in all of these movies, um, and and obviously I'm a I'm a big I know um, Alex Kendrick and Stephen Kendrick, and and I think those guys are amazing yeah, what they've been able agreed. to do, you know, coming from a church, and and then you know, and everybody in their church made these movies, so you know, and and uh, even in the actors, they weren't most of them weren't professional actors. I don't even believe. Great. So, yeah. So if you look at it from that perspective, what they did again was even the same, you know, part about followed their God given dream. It was what their dream was. Yeah. Um, for us, you, you know, myself and Michael Scott and my late partner, Russell Wolf, um, we all came from, you know, Michael and Russell used to produce the high end, the highest end of auto, uh, commercials. Um, so they were, you know, they're from a level of excellence in the, they weren't in the entertainment industry, but they were in, you know, the yeah, car. High, high level production. Quality. Yeah. High level, you. you know, BMW, Porsche, all the, all the high end, you know, what they could have, you know, the highest of that side. And of course, for me, I think why God allowed me to be on a television show with, you know, some of the greatest actors, um, I believe in our, of our time, you know, from everybody on Evening Shade had either won an Oscar and Emmy or Tony, right. I mean, people. Like Hal Holbrook, Ozzie Davis, Ruby D, Elizabeth Ashley, Charles Durning, Michael Jeter, you know, these people. I didn't know any of them, but but I got to be around, you know, the greatest some of the greatest actors of our time and spend some time with them and hopefully become excellent at what I what it is that I do. Um, but also just around the, you know, so so when we started making our films, I'd like to believe in on the smallest of budgets that we had you know, we also had a really good group of people around us um, and that came into it. And so, you know, the heart, obviously our goal is excellence. It continues on as we, you know, do these movies and they get a little bit bigger. But but it's also from the business perspective, the ROI is our is our goal as well. The return on investment for right. the for the people that invest into these movies, you know, the, right. the investors, our goal is that they that they don't lose money. And so instead of, you know, it's easy to go out and say, well, I'd rather do a $20 million movie. And this is something that I tell producers all the time is because everybody always comes with these massive ideas. Right. And again, you know, part of my thing was, is your dream bigger than you? Um, but there's also the reality side of it is, is yes, go after that big dream, 
but also don't be don't be an idiot in doing it. Don't lose people's money in the process. Don't right. it's still a you know business. I think there's yeah. you know you know you have if you want to have a sustaining uh, time in this industry, then you have to be able to to turn it into a profitable industry. And even though we're a ministry in a lot of ways, PureFlix, you know, our goal is to to bring people to higher levels of insight to who God is and the purpose that He has for their lives. We're also a business, and that business has to make money, and that business has to also reward its investors well. What's next for you? I mean, here you are. You you're pursuing your dream. You're following it. You're trying to listen to your heart. You're trying to do the right thing. What's next for you? Where do you see? What's the next big dream? Well, we're in the middle of it right now. We um we started a platform. Uh, you know, these OTT platforms are are really big and taking taking off in our. You know, it's how people view media now on on their iPads or their phones or all of this stuff. And so, so we started an SVOD platform uh, similar to Netflix, uh, but it's you know faith and family version of Netflix. It's pureflix.com. Right. And so um, we have over five thousand titles on there now. It's it's growing. Um, you know, as Netflix obviously is spread all over the world. That's our goal. Again, this is a big. You know, it's a big endeavor to start something. Um, and to have it take off. And we've been really blessed. It's been open since last June. So about a year, almost a year and a half now. And our, you know, the growth has been tremendous. The amount of people that are, are, you know, Netflix offers something obviously. Um, uh, but a lot of people don't agree necessarily that it offers everything to everybody. Um, you know, um, and, and our goal is just to, to, to make a platform that, families can can really get behind and and have a lot of content that they can feel comfortable with the watching and, and they don't have to worry about that their you know their kids gonna click on something else on that platform and end up you know not right, not, exactly. not seeing something they, they're supposed to be seeing and so so it's really it's been a great we're on our third series um our third original series this year and uh called the encounter actually and that that one is is uh is uh, streaming on there. And so, yeah, I just encourage people to check it out. Pureflix.com. If you want to, you know, see more faith and family content. What a great idea. I love it. I love this, you know, entrepreneurial drive that you have. There's so many things chalked up in this story and there's so I could talk to you for hours about, about your journey and what you're doing. It's just fascinating to me. I love the entrepreneurship. I love the leadership aspect of it. I mean, no, we haven't really directly talked about the leadership aspect, but you're, you're living the life of a servant leader, and I and I commend you for that, and I, and I love what you're doing. And we hadn't even touched the topic. I would love to have do a show with you about what it means to be a leader of your family. I mean, we, we you've got a, a wonderful family, beautiful family, and I know you give presentations and speeches about what it means to be a good husband, a good uh, father. I would love to broach that topic with you at a, a future date if you're up for that. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Where it's the book, it's it just came out. You know, how's the reception of it? What's are you on a book tour? What you know, where can people find the book? Yeah, it's called Between Heaven and Hollywood: Chasing Your God-Given Dreams, and uh, and I am I'm I'm uh, I'm I've been uh, kind of all over the country with it. Um, uh, but you know, the response has just been tremendous. Um, obviously, there's a lot of self-deprecating stories in there on, on my journey of you know, and odd jobs and all kinds of stuff. But but primarily the reason why I wrote it and, and wanted to, to go out there was to encourage people to chase their dreams. And how do you know if those dreams are from God and and, uh, and you're supposed to be going after those things? And then how do you do it? And so, um, 
it's available in stores and everywhere. I encourage people, you know, uh, if you're go to your Christian bookstores, Lifeway has them, Family, but then also, you know, Barnes and Noble, um, uh, which is has been a great supporter of us, and and um, uh, or you can go to davidarwhite.com, which is you can get the books there, but you can also get a lot of other study materials that come along with it. Um, you know that for you know that won't cost you anything. So. Well, I have links to all this on the post. David, I am so glad to have met you. Uh, honored to have you on the show. I, congratulations on all the great work that you're doing uh, in the entertainment industry, both personally and professionally. I just can't say uh, enough. You've been a great guest for Dose of Leadership. We're, we're proud to have you in the Dose of Leadership circle. Richard, thanks so much. God bless you guys. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hope you're finding some great value in Dose of Leadership. Hey, go check out my website, doseofleadership.com. Get your free access to some videos or to my free ebook. Also, check out richardryerson.com if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, group coaching, seminars, or you're needing somebody to speak at your next event. I'm always available. Check out more at richardryerson.com. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I'd love to hear from you. Richard at doseofleadership.com. It's a great way to get in touch with me. Find me on my Facebook page, LinkedIn, Twitter, Get in touch with me. Go make it a great one.